ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 5. If you're normally here, you know that we're in a series working our way through 1 Timothy in light of Boardwalk Chapel and in light of our need to be witnesses for Christ. I chose a different passage for this morning, and we'll look at 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 11, and you can find that on page 966 in your pew Bibles. Children, here are your questions for this morning. First, why is the gospel of Jesus good news? Two, who are the people in your life who are telling you about Jesus? Three, what should make a Christian want to tell people about Jesus? Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, this is the word of God. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about those, about outward, I'm sorry, <laughs> so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it, the power of it. Lord, we know that through your word we hear about the glorious reconciliation of sinners to you through Christ. And so we cherish your word, we cherish every word of it, and we pray that as we've just read this portion of your word that it would resonate in our hearts. But Lord, we also pray that as your word is preached, that you would please be with the preacher and please be with all of us who will hear that your Holy Spirit would take this word and apply it to our lives 
apply it to our souls that we truly would hear and respond appropriately to what we'll hear this morning. We come to you in the name of our Savior Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I've never met a Christian who didn't desire to tell people about Jesus. At least I've never met a Christian who would admit it if they didn't have the desire to tell people about Jesus. Some people are really good at telling about Jesus, all people about Jesus all the time. Others of us, though we desire, we're just not there. We're just not that bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem for most of us is not that we don't want to, but that we don't for a number of reasons. We don't talk about Jesus for a number of reasons. I want you to know at the outset that I'm not just preaching this message to you, I'm preaching it to myself as well. I can relate to the problem of, of wanting to share the gospel with individuals but not quite getting there for a variety of reasons. Some of the reasons we might give is that our personality, we're just not outward people, we're just shy and we're reserved and we just don't really like to talk to people very much. Or we might say to ourselves, it's not my call, and so we leave it up to the clergy to share the gospel with people, that maybe I'll invite somebody to church, maybe I'll invite somebody to church, but as for me, it's not my call to share the gospel with anyone, that's what preachers and evangelists and missionaries do. That might be one excuse. I can tell you from personal experience that I'm very happy that not everyone believes that. Because if I had waited for the one clergyman that I knew in my hometown growing up to share the gospel with me, it would not have happened because he wasn't a believer himself until he actually left the church in our hometown and became a Christian later. It was someone who was converted by someone telling them the gospel. And the one that shared the gospel with them had been told by someone else about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us might say that we're not gifted. We're not gifted speakers. We don't really know how to articulate the gospel. And so many people will say, well, I'm going to, to share the gospel by the way that I live, by my works. And, and certainly works and the way we live our lives for Christ is, is crucial and excellent. Don't stop doing that. But the problem is that we can live the best of lives and it might get people's attention to hear the gospel, but if we don't tell them the gospel, they'll never hear the good news of salvation. You might say that we're unprepared. And it's right to say that naturally, the more prepared we are, the more effective we'll be. But, but if we wait until we're, we're completely prepared to tell anybody of the depths and the heights and the width of the love of Jesus Christ for sinners, we won't get there. Nonetheless, we still have the gospel, but I would say if you feel unprepared, then get prepared. It's one of the jobs of the church to equip the saints in every way to not only live for the Lord, but also to be witnesses for Christ. We've offered things here at our church. We've offered evangelism explosion. We've offered classes on evangelism. We've offered apologetics classes where you learn to articulate and argue the case for Christ. Last year, we had a class called Tools for Personal Witness. I'm anxious to, to lead that again sometime because in that class, we wrestled with some of the very issues that we struggle with, with our, 
with our hesitancy to share the gospel. And so if you want to get equipped, better equipped, then there's plenty of resources to do so. Some of them are right here in your own church. You might say, and you would rightly say, well, only God can save. Absolutely right. But by design, God uses the speaking, the witnessing of the gospel to save souls, to spread the gospel. Anyone who ever preaches the gospel understands completely that only God can save. My visual in my mind, and granted Paul was a missionary, a preacher, an evangelist, and all that, but the picture in my mind is this of the Apostle Paul when he preached. He knew he had to preach the gospel. He didn't know who God was going to save, but nonetheless, he preached that, that all men needed to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Paul looked out on his typical crowd, he would often see Pharisees here, those who are living scrupulously, supposedly scrupulously righteous lives. He'd see the scribes, he'd see regular people, he'd see pagans, he'd see pagan philosophers. He'd see temple prostitutes. He'd see lepers. He'd see your average Joe and your average Mary. And he knew, he knew that the only way that they could be saved and delivered from their bondage to sin was through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting. He knew only God could save, but he knew and was compelled, as we read here, to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not planning to preach this passage expositorily, I want to approach this somewhat topically, and I want to encourage us, first and foremost, to be bold with the scriptures. But I also want to say that, frankly, many of the reasons we come up with are excuses. They're excuses. And a lot of it comes from the fact that we, we fear man more than we fear God. You might have noticed that that was one of the things that compelled Paul and the others with him, that they feared God out of the fear of God. We tell people about the Lord. Certainly also for love for their souls. My purpose is not to heap guilt on anyone. Guilt won't, won't lead us anywhere. However, I will also say that if our reason for not telling people about Jesus is because we're unconcerned or because we're selfish, we have our salvation, or because we're lazy, or because, or because we're antisocial, we ought to feel guilty. That, all those things are sin. We need to repent of those things. I'm here to encourage us, encourage myself as well, to more actively participate in the privilege of the kingdom work that God has given to his church to do in telling people about Jesus. I want to do this with 11 words that might seem like a lot, but I'm going to be purposely simple and brief on each one of them. But I also want you to know that I'm not going to point to chapter and verse because most of these things are by observation of scripture and the way that God works in scripture. There are plenty of chapters and verses that I can use about the importance of sharing the gospel. Paul, granted he's looking for missionary support, says this, but it applies to, to everyone who's going to hear, 
How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's a very specific verse about why people need to hear the gospel. And then there are examples. One of my favorite examples is the woman at the well. You might be familiar with the story. If not, Jesus intentionally starts speaking to this Samaritan woman among despised people by the Jews. And he starts talking to her and and they have this conversation and eventually he reveals himself to her as the Messiah. When she realizes who he is, she goes back to her people. She's not a theologian. She's not a preacher. She's not an evangelist. She's not a missionary. She is a lady who's just met Messiah, the Savior Jesus. And she goes back and she tells her townspeople. And guess what happens? The townspeople come up. They want to meet Jesus. And they have Jesus stay with him and teach them more about himself. And then there are inferences, numerous inferences. I often think about Pentecost, that glorious day when the Spirit came down on the disciples and they started speaking in tongues that people from every nation under heaven understood, and they heard of the mighty works of God. They heard the gospel. Sometimes we leave it there, but we ought not to leave it there. Where did these people go? They went back to their hometowns. And they didn't become ordained as clergy, preachers, teachers, missionaries, evangelists. They went back as ordinary people to their towns. And you can be sure that they told people about Jesus. That's Acts chapter 2. Later in Acts 2, we read this. This is verse 41, just one verse here. Those who received his word, this is the preaching of the gospel, Peter's preaching, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. A little later, chapter 4. Book of Acts as well. Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now I ask you, very simply, where did they go? They went back to their homes, they went back to their neighbors, and they had a message. Simple people got saved. 3,000, 5,000 going back to their homes, going back to their context with the gospel. My point is this, that every Christian, every Christian has the message of the gospel, and every Christian has a story. But not all of us are excited about it. We get very excited about a lot of things, don't we? I mean, we can talk a lot, some of us, about our hobbies. We can talk about our love for sports and the details of sports. Some of us get excited about politics. Some of us get excited about so many things, and we're so much less, some of us, less excited about the gospel that saves souls. It is a little disturbing that many false religions are very vigorous and efficient in their mission to spread the bad message that just brings people into another form of bondage. We have a gospel that sets people free 
and sin. So the 11 words, I'm finally getting to that. We want to be a part of the spreading, spreading of the truth that can truly set souls free. So very simply, two points. Start with what you know and ask God for help. Start with what you know. What do you know about God? You recognize that we live and move and have our being in him? Here's what our confession says in chapter 2, section 1. There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible without body parts or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. Now, lest you think that there's a contradiction here, when we read that he is is loving and gracious and long-suffering and forgiving iniquity, and at the same time will no, by no means clear the guilty, understand that the sin that would be paid for by a sinner is paid for by Christ who believes. So the guilty, the guilty are, you might say, let off the hook by the infinite mercy of God who put all our sin upon Christ. He who became, he who had no sin, became sin. What you know about God. You know God is holy in all those things. You know that God is the judge. And that everyone will stand before God someday and give an account. That's what we know about God. And then what do we know about mankind? You look at the vastness of mankind. What do we know about mankind? We know, and I say we know these things, assuming that we believe what the Bible tells us, but we know that mankind was created for God's glory, has fallen short of his glory in the fall, and that fall is rebellion against God. Man, by nature, is at war with God. And God is offended by sin. And as Jesus himself says, John chapter 3, the wonderful passage about God so loving the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus himself says that everyone starts off, everyone in and of themselves is condemned. I'm paraphrasing. They're condemned because they don't believe in the Son of God. That's what we know about mankind. According to what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul about what he was going to do in preaching the gospel, he describes people as in darkness and in the power of Satan. That's the state of mankind. What we know about God, what we know about mankind, God is holy, man will give an account. But here's what we know about Jesus, that he was sent to save sinners. And that was an act of God's love. What do you know about Jesus? We know that he's the second person of the Trinity incarnate. 
He came with a purpose to glorify the Father and to reconcile sinners to himself, and he would do so by dying as a substitute on the cross to pay for sins. We know that he rose from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of glory now, and we know that his work continues. Read the book of Acts. That's the continued work of Christ. Read history. It's the continued work of Christ. He's still working today to save souls. But then what do you know about yourself? What do you really know about yourself? Do you recognize that by nature, by nature you deserve the wrath of God? That's in one of our membership vows that I think is a little too soft. We say that we deserve the displeasure of God. The reality is we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve to be cut off from the presence of God forever. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Those are not my words, those are Jesus' words. Do you recognize that about yourself? Do you recognize that if it weren't for the grace of God through Jesus Christ that you would still be doomed and damned? Here's what else you know about yourself. You know that someone told you the truth about Jesus. Someone told you. It might have been your preacher. It might have been a teacher. It might have been a friend. It might have been your family. Someone told you about Jesus. You heard the truth. And the truth set you free. Anyone who's been catechized knows those three parts. That that you need to know your misery. And you need to know Christ. And you need to know what it means to live your life for Christ. You know that's true about yourself. I trust that you've seen that even though you've lived a good life, even though you might say that you've believed from your infancy, which some of you do say, you need to recognize that by nature you're children of wrath, children of condemnation. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he worked a work of salvation in your heart, and it was through someone telling you about the gospel. And so when we think about Paul preaching, we could easily say, I could have been, or maybe I was, that Pharisee. Maybe I was that scribe. Maybe I was that pagan. Maybe I was that philosopher. Maybe I was that temple prostitute. Maybe I was that helpless, hopeless leper. Or maybe I was just that average Joe or Mary. But I was under the wrath of God until he worked a work of grace in my soul. You see, you were bound in sin and set free by Christ. Well, the next word is unbelievers. Your unbelieving neighbors are still in bondage, and we need to stop ignoring that fact. Stop ignoring that fact. They are condemned right now. They're in the grip of the devil. Only Christ can save them. And 
All kinds of people need to hear the gospel. We understand that about our unbelieving friends and family members. But here's what we also know, number six, about the gospel. As the Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, the essence of the gospel, that is the work of Jesus Christ, has the power to save sinners. The way that God chooses for that to go forth is through the word of the gospel. The power is in what Christ has done. By God's design, it goes out through the world. Gospel summary, man is a sinner and helpless to save himself. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And sinners are called to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, to take up cross, take up their crosses and follow him. And so what we know about God, what we know about mankind, what we know about Jesus, what we know about ourselves, what we know about unbelievers, what we know about the gospel, all play into it. And we, we have all that. That's all the stuff we know. But then what do we do? I need to wind this up. But if the first simple point is start with what you know, and you're not sure how to do anything with all that you know, and I trust every believer here knows everything that I just said we know, we don't know what to do with it, we need to ask for help. And most simply, we can ask ourselves, when was the last time I asked God to use me? When was the last time I asked God to use me? When was the last time I asked God to stir me up so that I might have the absolute privilege to tell somebody about Jesus? Here's where it needs to start. It needs to start with compassion. It starts with the way that we look at people. Sometimes the way we look at people is in conflict with what we really believe about people. Sometimes we see the people around us and we think to ourselves, they live and they die just like me. We forget that they have souls that will never die. We forget that if they die in their sin, that there is an eternity of hell awaiting them. But we tend to ignore that. And so we need to ask God to help us to have compassion on lost souls. Give me eyes to see more than meets the eye. Paul here says, we don't look at people according to the flesh anymore. You know, Paul, as a Pharisee, would look at Jews in one way, and he'd look at Gentiles another way, and he'd look at Samaritans certainly another way. Paul says he used to look at Jesus, they used to look at Jesus in a worldly, fleshly way. He was just a man, he was just a rabbi. But when they understood who Jesus was, the second person of the Holy Trinity taking on human flesh, the only Savior for sinners, 
everything changed. Never look at Jesus the same again. But he would never look at an individual the same again. We're more than this, flesh and blood. We heard a testimony briefly this morning. Life is not vain. It has a purpose, and the purpose is to glorify God. And that's been shattered because of sin. But Jesus saves people not only to restore them to God, but to make them new creatures to glorify God and to live for him now and forever. But we need to have compassion. Really caring about souls that will never die. Next, pray for willingness to be used by him in whatever way. But understand again that through service, we might bring glory to him. Through the way we live our lives, we will bring glory to him. But we need to bring the word of salvation. Make me willing. Ninth, give me opportunities that I might speak to someone, maybe someone I know that needs to hear the truth about themselves and about Jesus, but maybe someone I don't know. If you pray that way, don't be surprised if God provides that for you. Pray for boldness. Speak about Jesus. Speak about Jesus. Our team went out to Boardwalk Chapel, and it took boldness to go out on the boardwalk amidst strangers with provocative signs and with gospel tracts and with the intention of boldly telling someone that they needed to know Jesus. You think of the parts, it's not so easy. It's hard to tell people about their sin. Tell people about Jesus, they're going to have a million questions and that's fine. Tell them that the Christian life is more than just a ticket to heaven, but it's submitting to his lordship and authority and living life for him. Those things take boldness. And it takes a certain boldness, doesn't it, to go to strangers. But as I've said to our team before, last year, and I'll say it again, could we, would we, do it on 8th Street in Holland? I'm not even saying that we should. I'm simply asking the question. It takes boldness to speak to strangers, but what about the people we know? What about the classmate walking down the street that we know is not a believer? Would we say, do you know where you're going when you die? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? The people we know, our family members, our close friends who don't believe in others. We need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for boldness. And then finally, and this may sound a little strange, connectivity may seem odd, but we, we need to have the ability to connect with people on a deeper level. Soul to soul. In the presence of God. You see, the last thing we want in personal witness is for someone to be a project. Or to present some kind of formula or some formality, but we want to connect one, one soul to another. This one, a wretched sinner saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. 
speaking to another wretched sinner who needs to be saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Well, may it be that we might each be a part of the continued work of Christ in saving souls. May we be enthusiastic participants in the spread of God's glorious kingdom through his gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, each one of us here who confesses Christ, who knows Christ, we are fully aware that if it were not for your grace, we would be damned, we would be doomed, we would still be lost, we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins. But in your great mercy, you have shown such kindness to us. In fact, such love that you sent your only son to die for us. Lord, we are simply sinners saved by grace, undeserving, and yet so rich now with the goodness of you, our great God, with the riches of heaven now and heaven forever. Lord, we know that that would have been impossible were it left to ourselves, but we know that with man it is impossible. But with you, all things are possible, even the salvation of sinners like us. We know it came with a great price. But we're also very much aware that someone in our lives, somewhere, had compassion on our souls and told us about our need for the Savior. And you spoke to our hearts. And you've changed us. We praise you for that. Lord, we have this good news ourselves. Help us, we pray, to be bold with it, to have compassion on others, to be used by you for your glory. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Closing hymn is hymn number 307, 307, nothing but the blood of Jesus will please stand when we sing.